This week on The Perfect Scam. You know, at that point, my mind was racing and I feared for our safety. I feared that the hotel we were at, you know, potentially they could be in on it. And my mind went to a million places and I've watched too many James Bond movies and spy movies to kind of get into my head about it. Welcome back to AARP's The Perfect Scam. I'm your host, Michelle Kosinski. This week, the sequel to what is honestly one of the most bizarre, elaborate scams I've ever encountered. I think it might be my favorite, partly because of who's involved and the extreme lengths both the scammers and their targets are willing to go to to achieve their very different goals in this. It all unfolds like a creepy thriller and fittingly enough is set in Los Angeles. At least that's where the wild ride starts, at the intersection where the perfect job and the perfect scam collide. You need to listen to last week's episode, where sought-after photographer Joe Scarnici takes us through every painful moment of how what he thought was the perfect gig led him to the other side of the world and the loss of a lot of his money. But who is the Hollywood con queen? There have been hundreds of victims, and Carly Rudd is one of them. I am a freelance travel photographer. I'm based in L.A., but I I travel all over the world and live this kind of digital nomad lifestyle I've been living um, for the past three years in different cities all over the world, depending on where my work takes me. What kinds of things do you take pictures of? Everything from landscapes, nature, to cultural attractions, restaurants, interiors of hotels, architecture. So picture and feel, if you will, a well-worn street in Jakarta, Indonesia. The sun has cooked the afternoon to 95 degrees. Dust is visibly swirling in the air. Carly is there about a year ago, videotaping her slow journey through town from the back seat of a rickety tuk-tuk, a little motorized rickshaw, the radio playing local music. Motorbikes dodge her and one another. On either side of the narrow, crowded street, open front shop after shop is jammed with boxes, shoes, brightly colored plastic everything, kids' tricycles, toys, stuffed animals. A man carries goods slung over his shoulder in a brown sack about as tall as he is. And Carly is feeling hopeful, excited. She's just started what she believes to be a thrilling assignment to photograph elements of Chinese culture in Jakarta. This would be part of an art exhibit for the 2020 Olympics. Her boss, who sent her all the way out here in a hurry, None other than Wendy Dang, socialite, businesswoman, and former wife of media mogul Rupert Murdoch. It started with an email from Wendy herself, or so it seemed, telling Carly she was highly recommended from mutual contacts. All sounded good. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Too good to be true. More on that later. Though from the start, it did bother Carly that the planning for this job all had to be done so quickly. She needed to travel to the other side of the planet with all her equipment within 72 hours. It did. It did feel like a red flag at the time. I, I, I found ways to kind of ignore it and find excuses for it. Was it because he wanted the job? 
Yeah, definitely. It's because I, I wanted the job and I hadn't worked with anybody of this caliber. Wendy, the real Wendy Murdoch is a billionaire and I made excuses for maybe this is how billionaires do business. And, you know, at the drop of a dime, you might be on a, a flight across the world. She also has to pay for all her travel up front, which isn't that unusual. And Wendy's ever-present assistant, Aaron, encourages her to fly first class for her and her husband, Jake, who would go with her and help her on the shoots. I was excited. I was also a little on edge the whole time. Why is that? I think making that large of a purchase was out of the ordinary for me, even under the assumption that I was being reimbursed for it. Something felt a little off. It even raised tensions a bit with a supposed Wendy Dang. I did get into an argument with her at one point, and the assistant calls me and says, I'm so sorry, and they were playing this good cop, bad cop with me and, and definitely kind of psychologically messing with me. And that was another point when I, I it made me just feel uneasy about the whole thing. It must have made you feel kind of nervous, like, wow, I'm, I'm speaking to her and we're getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there were points where she, you know, went into detail about how she was on Thanksgiving vacation in St. Bart's, and I'd look at the real Wendy Murdoch's Instagram, and the last photo they posted was a picture of her family in St. Bart's. So it was so elaborate, (laughs) these conversations, and this kind of character that she was building up was very believable. Carly gets on the plane and, once in transit, finds out she'll have to pay $1,500 cash for a permit to shoot in Jakarta, as well as about $1,000 a day for her driver. She accepts this as part of the gig, for which she will be reimbursed. And after their luxurious flight, she and her husband Jake finally land in Indonesia. There waiting for them is that driver. And Carly kicks off the trip by snapping off a few photos of him. A smiling, friendly-looking middle-aged man in a striped polo shirt. It is the middle of the night. But immediately, the driver wants to take Carly and Jake to a 24-hour money exchange in a sketchy-looking part of town. The driver counts the money and, and gives us this photography permit that looked official enough for me at the time. It had a seal on it. It had my name on it. It had... You know, it looked fine, and at that point I'm thinking, all right, now we're just going to get to the hotel and everything's fine. They hadn't even been on the ground at this point for more than a few hours on this warm Jakarta night. But red flags, and interestingly, red was supposed to be one of the themes of her project, were already popping up left and right. So the driver mentions that he has to get the air pressure checked in his tires and motions that he's going to this gas station. Oh, no. My husband and I look at each other and we're like, okay. And he pulls up at this gas station at the air pressure station and he takes the cash that we had just given him and puts it in this plastic bag. And he walks around the front of the car and towards the back of the car and we're sitting in the back seat watching this all happen and he a man on a motorcycle pulls up quickly behind the car and greets our driver and takes the bag of money and puts it in his backpack and drives off i kept making excuses for uh it's fine it's fine like let's just get to the hotel carly's husband though is getting into fight or flight mode he had his 
cord that charges his phone ready to like behind the driver ready to you know do anything drastic that needed to happen he he thought we were part of some sort of heist at that point whoa yeah and like he was he had his phone cord ready to like strangle somebody if he needed to yeah they get to the hotel and after a welcome night of sleep the next morning starts with delays and changed plans Aaron, the assistant to Wendy Dang, tells Carly there's now an issue with that mysterious driver, and would she mind just taking a taxi to shoot various locations? Carly and Jake are somewhat relieved by this prospect, given the strange night before, though they don't know the city at all. Which brings us back to those dusty market streets. Well, the places where you're going, do they feel safe? Did you feel, you know, being the Westerner, did you stand out with all your equipment or did you feel like pretty secure? I definitely did not feel safe. Chinatown in Jakarta is is a very dangerous place, not a place that a lot of tourists go. Um, I have a local friend that I ended up meeting up with in Jakarta and, and told him that I went to Chinatown for this project and... He was completely alarmed and said, you know, that's not a really safe place for you to be shooting. And I stood out, you know, like a sore thumb and felt like a target with all of my camera gear. But virtually the whole time, as she and Jake make their way, she's on the phone with either Wendy or Aaron. Just constant communication. Were you also talking personal stuff? Like, did you feel like you were getting to know these people? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like they knew certain things about me. The research that they had done on me was thorough and elaborate, and they knew things about my husband, and they wanted to hire him for a new job that they had coming up. They had spoken to me about how, you know, I was the perfect fit for this, and they had other jobs in the pipeline that they thought I would be wonderful for. At one point, Wendy's telling me how she wants to meet me in New York next time I'm there. So Carly, determined to do her proud, gets her photos, some nice cultural shots of life in Chinatown. Another hot day rolls around. And again, this one brings more changes, excuses, delays. Now Wendy and Aaron want Carly and Jake to fly to Malaysia to stay another day. And a disturbing request. They suggest Carly and Jake split up and shoot different locations on their own. That was kind of one of the final red flags. And she knows that my husband's not a photographer and she hired me to do this job. So that felt really strange. And I responded back, you know, I don't feel comfortable with that. Like, let's get that pesky husband out of the way. Exactly. And, And potentially get me to pay more money for a driver. Maybe my husband then would need a photography permit. I think their goal was to extract more money. Carly's guard is so up at this point, in fact, that extraordinarily, she starts recording these phone conversations. So not only does she now have rare photographic evidence of the driver when she landed, she has audio of both so-called Aaron and Wendy. Listen. Hey, Carly, how's it going? Let me talk to the vendor's manager because they're the ones who take care of that. Let me call them. Yeah, I just want to make sure, sure the hotel is aware that we we changed plans and I we're staying on one more night. Live. Don't worry about that. All right, I will perfect. Talk to them and I'll give you a call for the next hour and a half. And when Carly expresses her misgivings about certain things, the Wendy character takes her side. 
and reassures her the money to reimburse her for the now more than $15,000 in expenses Carly has shelled out is coming her way. Well, that should be in your account by uh, end of business Tuesday. I don't want there to be any kind of um, he said that the the driver would request eight hundred U.S. dollars for overtime charges, um, oh, and that I would need to go to an ATM and no. and have that money oh. prepared. And then he to go to an ATM to prepare eight hundred dollars. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> These conversations ramble. Oh, and then what were you saying? Sorry, what were you saying? Sorry. He's a writer. Yeah, he's a right? yeah, he's a freelance freelance writer. What did he write about? Wendy emphasizes how important it is to her to work with trustworthy people. She asks about Carly's life and Jake. And is he feeling comfortable? Is he happy about this? Just a quick question. Yep. Are you feeling safe or not? Yes, Wendy, I am feeling safe. I think there was an initial hesitation with the driver. You need anything, you contact Aaron. Aaron will take care of I love that conversation with Wendy because it seems like she's on your side. Is that kind mm-hmm. of how she how she played the game? Yeah, it was a mental and psychological kind of breakdown and mind game. She would kind of reassure me that everything was fine. And this whole time between her character and Aaron's character, you know, they were playing this like good cop, bad cop and and they would make excuses for the other one and then kind of, you know, get in arguments and then reassure me everything's fine. And it was a, a total mind game. And right after Carly airs her concerns and gets that reassurance from Wendy that Aaron would call her and arrange her next shoots. OK, I'll hear from him then. OK. Poof, like a cloud of dust in the alley outside. They disappear. He doesn't call, an hour goes by, and I decide to call him on the number that I've been speaking with him on, and the number goes straight to this British accent automated voicemail and says this number is no longer in service. And when I heard that, my heart sank, and it kind of all became clear that I was part of this elaborate scam. Was there some part of you that that was saying, no, 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 this is real? You know, at that point, my mind was racing and I feared for our safety. I feared that the hotel we were at, you know, potentially they could be in on it. And my mind went to a million places and I've watched too many James Bond movies and spy movies to kind of get into my head about it. This is like James Bond territory. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, so at that point, do you call, do you try to call Wendy? I only had Aaron's number. There was only one phone number that they had been contacting me from, and Aaron would kind of buzz in Wendy when she was part of the conversation. Okay, so at that point, all of your red flags now come together into one waving red banner. Yeah. How do you <laughs> feel in that moment? It was pretty awful. I... You know, my heart was racing, and I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't believe that I had fallen for something like this. It was a roller coaster of emotions. That was on the second full day in Jakarta, right? 
And how long was the whole trip supposed to be when you planned it? It was supposed to be a week okay. of shooting in, in Indonesia and Malaysia. Well, you got off easy, girl. I know. After <laughs> I hear some of these other stories, I've heard hundreds. It's pretty wild. What's the conversation like after this with your husband on the way back? Oh, gosh. We were just mind blown. And, you know, he kind of knew it all along that it didn't feel right. Psychologically. Yeah. Now that you've had time to think about it, why do you think it worked on you? I think that the scammer is a very smart, kind of evil mastermind and has studied, you know, this, our, my particular target market um, very thoroughly. He knows that the gig economy and freelancers are eager for work and that you know, he thoroughly knew what a creative brief and NDA and, and potential scope of work for an assignment like this might look like. So what do you do after that? Do you, yeah. do you go right to the police? I landed in New York and went to a hotel that I was staying at there. I, um, the next day, shared on Instagram what had happened to me and wrote a blog post about it. And within 24 hours of Going live with that, I heard from hundreds of people that something similar had happened to them. Hundreds. Pearlie finds out the FBI had already been looking into this scam, which had been going on for years. Years of this. And hundreds of hopeful creatives led on trips and wild goose chases just like her. The scammer has been impersonating Hollywood power players, and usually female ones, including former head of Sony Pictures Amy Pascal and Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, for at least the last seven years, targeting actors, production companies, talent managers, security people, chefs, athletes, influencers. The list by now is painfully long. It was the sort of thing where I couldn't quit it if I tried, right? So we were hearing from people every week or so who uh, were getting these calls. That's Nicole Katsianis, a private investigator who was hired to chase down these con artists. It was an October day in 2017, and Nicole was at home with her children when she got that first call, her first inkling of the Hollywood con queen. On the line was an attorney for a high-profile Hollywood producer who was disturbingly being impersonated by this scammer. And that opened the floodgates. Nicole starts going deeper, learning about the scammer's M.O., and hears from people affected by it. A case truly like any other she had ever known, with tentacles all over the world. It struck me how people said the impersonation was so good. So typically with cases like this where a scammer is using either an individual, a high-profile individual, or more frequently a company that they're pretending to be calling on behalf of, they're really not professionals. The the impersonation aspect of it is Mm -hmm. pretty low grade. And what struck me was that everyone I was talking to said this, this is somebody who's done their homework. And someone who is relentless, a master of accents, of excuses, of persuasion, getting these professional people to go to extremes despite any suspicions or red flags they have. When the scam involves elaborate trips, it's generally to Indonesia. There's definitely been people who have gone multiple times. 
uh, and, and it was a longer running engagement, uh, you know, months versus a one-off trip. So those stories have been quite interesting because there's been just more of a of a relationship essentially and the artifice that's been built up there is really extensive and so there's you know many more players and individuals and you think you're dealing with people in accounting and different departments of a supposed company so it's definitely been more extensive in some instances. Some victims have given up their life savings, fronting money for what they think is the job of a lifetime that promises to lead to more work in the future. There are a lot of people who don't have the money to lose, you know, somebody's wedding fund, their savings that they had intended to use towards a mortgage. I've, I've really heard some awful stories about what this has done for people and how it's disrupted their, their life. Friendships ruined, you know, people who had trusted each other that... You know, there's often a, a role of a referrer in this scam. So the scammer will talk to a first individual and ask for a list of names and people that, you know, can you recommend someone for this gig, essentially? And so people have really gotten upset at the other person who brought them into this. Oh, wow. And what was really unique about this throughout is that there's such setup and the buy-in from the impersonator into the entire situation is really uh, goes beyond what you would typically see or what would be necessary for these types of scams generally. It's really a personal connection that the impersonator is trying to make with these individuals. And, you know, there has been a sexual component of this as well throughout where the impersonator has tried to engage in those sorts of conversations with with people. And so, you know, that's clearly a unique aspect of that that I've certainly not seen in any other case I've worked on. It's so strange and spooky that Nicole feels personally invested in this case, having spoken to dozens upon dozens of victims. She and her team are constantly working on this as the individual cases keep coming in. They bring on a psychologist to try to understand this scammer that many believe is a sociopath. It doesn't appear to us to be entirely about the money. A large part of this and the motivation is the thrill, we believe, of the impersonation and the world building that goes along with mm. the, the artifice that's created. That's right. The scammer seems, most of all, to be enjoying this, the role-playing, the manipulating. Sometimes after a scam ends, the scammer keeps on calling the victim repeatedly, day and night, pretending like the whole thing is still legit. And things get even weirder in 2018 when Nicole starts getting repeated calls from someone claiming to have been roped in by the scammer to unwittingly participate in the plot. All anonymous calls from a blocked number. It's definitely strange to find yourself on the other end of the line of, of someone that you know to be involved in some capacity. So trying to make sense and fit it in with the grand scheme uh, was definitely difficult. The individual was just trying to prove to me that they were they were not involved. Mm. Okay. Did Was any of that believable to you? There were things about it that were not believable. It is quite possible that those strange calls that one day just suddenly stopped were actually from the con queen herself. 
But then, as Nicole learns more and hears recordings that victims have made of their conversations with characters like Aaron Let me talk to the and Wendy, when you get back to New York, Nicole and her team reach an aha moment. They realize that all of these supposed players seem to be one person, and the Hollywood con queen seems to actually be a king. They now believe this scammer is a man, with at least some accomplices on the ground in Indonesia, but who is single-handedly playing all these roles, and apparently loving every minute of it. So what do you think this person wants, ultimately? What are they after? Is it about the money? I think the, the money has certainly been a, a very big piece of this, but I think the role-playing aspect of it certainly plays a really big part and the manipulation of people and, and using people as a plaything. Wow. That sounds, sounds like a dangerous person. Yeah. So, Emotionally dangerous, for sure. He's taken a combination of scams and methods that are not new, but combined them all together in a way that really hits on people's vulnerabilities. Not sure I'll ever have a case like this again. Nicole and her team go public with this troubling case in 2018, and still more victims come forward. The FBI gets involved, and Nicole turns over everything she knows about it to them. This is currently an active federal investigation. With so many calls and voice recordings and people who are on the phone for months at a time with this person over and over again, why has this person not been caught? I'll decline comment on that one. (laughs) Okay, got it. What do you think? Do you think this person will ultimately be found? We're hopeful. Because it's still an open investigation, Nicole and the FBI can't really go into detail too much. But victims like Carly, who've spoken to both investigators and other victims, tell us some of what they've learned through this ordeal. The scam artist was one person. It was, it is a man that is impersonating women and also played this Aaron character, this assistant for me, which was shocking because the voices of Aaron and Wendy seemed so different. (laughs) And... (laughs) I learned that the perpetrator was living in London. They were of Indonesian descent. Wouldn't you love to see what this person is like, what their life is like? They live in London, expensive city. Yeah. So so they have some uh, money. I've heard from the investigator that this person comes from an affluent family of um, wealth and that they themselves have tried to create a influencer kind of personality online and as soon as I found that out of course initially I was spending hours on Instagram trying to figure out who this person might be but I had to give up on that and realize that of course you know the photo that they might have as their profile photo or the you know bio that they might describe themselves as could all be completely made up and false and how could you ever find this person, even with the information you had, it, it they could be impersonating somebody. <laughs> so this is a wealthy guy with a wealthy family living in some sweet pad in London. He's doing it just for the thrill. 
Yeah, you have to you have to think about the motive of it all, and that's you know what the motive is right now is that it's just this mind game and this thrill, and they just get off on this whole thing, and it's disturbing and frustrating. What would you say to this character? Oh gosh, I don't even know. I I would just enjoy seeing them put in jail and and stopped. <laughs> what do you think about this person? I <laughs> I'm angry that they've gotten away with everything they've done. I would like to see justice. I feel sorry and upset about, you know, all of the freelance photographers and and other freelancers that have been caught up in this. Yeah, I, I'm upset and angry and I, I want this person to be caught in years that they've been able to get away with it. So the psychology yeah. that they use is pretty yeah. pretty impressive and and terrifying at the same time. They're an evil mastermind. It's it's a perfect Hollywood movie, <laughs> this whole scam. I I, I, like I said earlier, this person's a professional. They know what they're doing. They, after every, you know, person they impersonate and target market they go after, they learn more and more about people. And, and the psychology of it is fascinating, but terrifying. And, and yeah, scary what people, uh, what people can do with it. So this guy is now based in the friendly U.K., why no arrest years later? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. It's a question I've been asking. And, you know, my contacts at the FBI and the uh, private investigation company is that they have identified the person. They know who he is. And they are just waiting for the right time to be able to... Um, arrest him. And I've been told, you know, there's all of this cross-jurisdiction um, yeah. that's happening. The crimes are happening in Indonesia, to Americans, Europeans, Australians, uh, the perpetrators in London. And so I guess that makes it more difficult. I've also heard that, you know, the actual crime is not a major red flag for the FBI. It's small amounts of money being taken from people. There's no harm being done to people. So clearly this scammer, you know, is is flying under the radar and kind of getting away with it. Unbelievable. It's wild. Another thing that bothers investigator Nicole about this, the way this guy is impersonating women. The caricature that this person has painted of high-profile, powerful women through the tactics the manipulation, he sort of, you know, presents these women as shrill, um, difficult. And, you know, that's, as a woman myself, that's, I found that frustrating, you know, that that he's playing to those worst characteristics that people have about women in power um, and using it, you know, for the setup of a scam. When Carly and her husband got back from their awful trip to Indonesia, flying home in coach this time, she immediately posted a blog about what happened, trying to warn other people, and she immediately heard from others. She's been a sort of sounding board for victims and potential victims ever since. Do you think there's something that could have prevented it? Anything you could have done in retrospect? You know, I've thought a lot about that, and... 
One thing that I ended up realizing and figuring out after the fact was if you had done a a search on the email domain that uh, Wendy was emailing me from, it was wendy at dangmurdoch.com. That particular one that she was emailing me from was created within the last few weeks. So uh-huh. that's, you know, kind of a red flag that if somebody like Wendy is is using a fairly new email domain is is odd. You would um, you would have, have to be together right. Then, You'd almost have to be looking for a scam to to go that far. You would think. Yeah, yeah. And then also looking back at some of the language in the NDA, there were a couple typos, things that didn't feel completely polished. But again, in the moment, in in seventy two hours, and you want this job those types of things I made excuses for and, and didn't right. um, really look into. So now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty careful about um, addressing and, and noticing those things. But it's so hard. I, this person is such a professional at what they do, and the thoroughness is really, really hard for people to... To pick up on. What is the most head-slapping thing about this? What to, to this day still makes you go, oh, man? <laughs> I think one of the biggest shocks of it all was that the scam artist was a man when this whole time I was speaking to a voice that sounded like a woman and that they were playing both characters, <laughs> a man and a woman, with completely different accents. And then just the scale of it, I cannot still believe how many people are affected by this and how long it's been going on. It's mind-blowing. But it gets worse. This scam is still going on to this day. When we spoke to Carly, she had just gotten an email from yet another victim, a new one, saying they had just been scammed by this person one week prior. And even now, amid the COVID crisis, people aren't traveling to Indonesia for these kinds of jobs, but the scammer is, yes, still working it, trying to get people to wire money for this or that. So he's tweaked the scam to fit the current circumstances. He hasn't stopped. It just brings back bad memories for people like Carly of how relentless this character was when she was dealing with him several times a day and all the horror stories she's heard since. I mean, the amount of people that are that he has to manage is crazy. I mean, there were there were stories that I heard of individuals who were both, you know, shooting in Chinatown and ran into each other and you know, stood out as two Westerners with expensive camera gear and then later found out that they were both there as part of this scam. It's funny, though, because all of the people I've talked with have had the same driver that I had. And still to this day, even with the photo of the driver published online, still are having that same driver. I actually had another female photographer contact me while she was in Jakarta and said that she was in the car with the driver when her friend, with the same driver I had, and her friend forwarded her my blog post, and she realized in that moment that she was caught up in this same scam, was able to, you know, get out of the car and get back to the airport safely, and and she emailed me right away, and, and I ended up 
talking with her while she was in Indonesia. What did you say? And I tried to, you know, let her know that I, I thought she was safe and that she wasn't in, in any sort of harm. You know, that was the first thing I tried to let her know. And then, yeah, I, I just explained what had happened to me and was able to kind of console her. And Were you like, get-, get the hell out of there now? Yeah, yeah, I was. You know, she was just completely mind blown. Yeah. I think as soon as she saw the blog post and read through everything, it it becomes pretty apparent quickly that, you know, if you're going through the same exact thing that that you're, you're caught up in it. And then she was going back for a second time with the same scam person. So the stories like that that I've heard from all of this are, are, are wild. And I have had so many people tell me that they, you know, read my blog post and shared it with a friend of theirs who they thought were going on a similar trip. I've had people at the airport ready to fly on their way to the airport to fly to Jakarta and and catch on to it, you know, in that last moment. And Incredible. It's, it's, it really is incredible. It's a little way to get back at the mastermind. You must, for every person that says you saved me, you must feel like, ha ha. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that. And I, it, it's created this kind of community of victims that we all have, have now. And um, another thing that a lot of the travel photographer community has been talking about is putting together some sort of art exhibit with all of our photographs that we did take while we were there. And I think it would be the ultimate silver lining in it all. <laughs> the art of the scam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, good for you. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. All right. Take care, Carly. Okay, bye. Whew. Imagine flying across the planet, strung along for days, getting to know this person you think is a well-known celebrity, telling them your life story, spending tens of thousands of dollars, only to realize in the end it was all for what? For some wealthy wannabe influencer guy's thrill? It is spooky. And if it is true that investigators now know who this scammer is, his real identity, imagine the satisfaction for so many to see him finally stopped after nearly a decade of doing what is essentially the same elaborate scheme. I wonder what will come first, the arrest or the movie? Either one will be fascinating. If you or someone you know has been the victim of a scam or fraud, the AARP Fraud Watch Network Helpline is a free resource available to anyone. For nearly 20 years, trained staff and volunteers have helped thousands of individuals and their family members report and recover from fraud. Call 877-908-3360. Thank you to our team of scam busters, executive producer Julie Getz, producer Brooke Ellis, associate producer and researcher Megan DeMagnus, our audio engineer Julio Gonzalez, and of course, fraud expert Frank Abagnale. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For AARP's The Perfect Scam, I'm Michelle Kosinski. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about 
whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit americourt.gov slash your moment today 